TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. You know, it's hard when, when you're you know, kind of a competitor yourself and you know that uh, you start asking yourself the question, at what percent is, uh, is having him out there? Uh, still give us, you know, the best possible chance to win, and that's not the way uh, to go about it with a player of that kind of uh, importance to our team, our organization, everything we everything we want to do. The, the goal now is to get him healthy as fast as possible and give him the great resources and treatment that uh, Tyler, Uriah, and, and our group offer. We're back live with more of Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. So that was Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connell talking about Justin Jefferson, just, you know, the whole issue. I got to be honest, man. I feel like Nostradamus a little bit. I was searching the waiver wire for my fantasy league on Sunday morning. And I thought to myself, I said, man, Osborne, you know, I watch their games because I already have Jordan Addison on my team. Both of my teams, actually. And then I'm like, I'm like, man, Justin Jefferson, these guys one in five. This is very much like a I get hurt situation. <laughs> I swear on everything I love, I said that on Sunday morning. And then I thought to myself, and I said, man, I should just pick him up because it'll be much cheaper to do it now because we have we 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 have a, a, a what is it called? You have a money, a kitty that you have to use, okay. you, you know, use to get players, and it's not just you go grab them, right? So I was like, man, it's gonna save me some money if I just pick him up right now. And I was like, you know what? Nah, just Jefferson ain't getting hurt, man. I say, this is Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson show. And when I saw the the alert pass by on my screen, I was like, no, God, you're hilarious. Said, you put that voodoo. Man. You put that I, voodoo on Justin Jefferson. Uh, That's exactly what that was. I wanted the Bears to have a two-game winning streak for the first time in a very long time. Uh, but the Bears do play the Vikings on Sunday. Uh, Justin Jefferson, they're saying, might hit the IR. You know, they're 1-4 just like the Bears, but I got to be honest, and I'm going to bring this up with our guest at 820, Ron Johnson. I, 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 like, if you watch that Chiefs game, they just had a bad a, a bad streak of turnovers in every single game. Right. And, and you know, the, the, the KC game, starting off, first play of the game with a fumble from the tight end Oliver. It's like, oh, my God, talk about putting yourself up against the wall, like against the Kansas City Chiefs, you know. And then some missed opportunities, some drop passes, just things that, you know, the ball just not bouncing their way this year like it did last year. It's an interesting thing, man, because as much as, you know, we talk about Justin Fields in this town a lot, and Kirk Cousins has been around the block enough in the NFL for everyone to agree that he's not amongst the elite quarterbacks in football. But as you and I have joked about both on this show and, and over on Bears Unleashed on, on Fox, 
he's not trash. No. But he, he gets discussed as though he is some trash quarterback, man. But it's no small thing to consistently put up the the yardage, the touchdowns, the wins that Kirk Cousins has put up throughout his career. But just kind of our, our conversation in the sports world has turned into either you are someone who is the key piece in a, a league championship or you're garbage. And Kirk <laughs> Cousins is not garbage. But uh-uh. now you got the rumors where folks are talking about maybe the, the Vikings should trade him or will trade him. And apparently they brought Colt McCoy in for a workout. Like He is definitively not an upgrade over Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. So what would be the point in doing that? I mean, I guess if you trade – Kirk Cousins away, and Colt McCoy, Colt McCoy is there on the scrap heap somewhere, and you sign him to at least have some veteran QB who you feel like you can get by with through the rest of the season, then I guess that gives you an option. But Cousins has a no-trade clause, so he doesn't have to sit here and take that. You know, he, he doesn't have to just sit there and allow the Vikings to, to move him to some other team and uproot his family and go through that whole thing in a contract year for him anyway. He's comfortable in Minnesota, putting up numbers in Minnesota. And for where he's at in this space in his career, he can just sit there and finish this season out and then get a new deal, get a new contract from someone else. Frankly, I, I think regardless of, of the level of team success or lack thereof that the Vikings have, now he's in his mid-30s at this point. He's been in the league for a long time. So you know, I don't think he's in line for a huge payday from someone unless he just you know really has an excellent season. But, you know, him continuing to be Kirk Cousins, there will be someone out there just kind of willing to do whether it is the the Jimmy G situation or no, no, you know, it's giving, something like that. It's giving Joe Flacco right now. That's what, right. That's what, that's what I'm. Yeah. That's what yeah. I'm Come right in, now. start, be the QB and waiting. You know, all right, let's have. Uh, you know, Drake may come in here and learn yep. behind you for a couple yep. of months, oh you know, God. some some kind of deal like that. Like somebody's going to be happy to bring in Kirk Cousins to be at least that guy, if not more. So, yeah, I think, you know, he he will likely be in Minnesota the rest of the season would be my guess. But if he is, I mean, that that means problems for the Vikings opponents for, for the rest of the season because the dude puts up numbers, he moves the football, and in certain games – he does look like a really high-level quarterback because he's, he's a guy who can lead drives down the field, who can give your defense fits, who can make it tough for you to disguise things. And when you're trying to pressure him, you better get there fast because he's going to get rid of the football. I mean, he's, you know, the guy's a good football player. He's had a really good career. He's just not one of the guys who is of the one percenters from an NFL perspective at quarterback. Which is difficult to be. It's difficult to be in that 1% category, and that's why we're so hard on guys like Justin Fields. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron. Here on 670, the score, just talking Bears and Vikings happening on Sunday. Obviously, Justin Jefferson, you know, looks like he's heading to the IR. Jaquan Brisker, he was on with Bernstein and Holmes earlier today. And kind of like you're, you're saying, Ant, it's, it, it doesn't matter if he's there or not because Kirk Cousins is still going to put up those numbers. Really just not focusing on that he's not playing. Um, treat it as you know, if he's playing or not because we just don't want to under, underestimate, you know, any of the receivers, any – of the run game, the quarterback, their their vet quarterback, um, things like that. So just try to, you know, just stay focused, stay focused on the test, um, you know, just worry about, you know, our assignments, things like that, focus on our jobs and um really just don't underestimate them. Even even though you know he'll be out for a little bit, you know, we still wanna have the same mindset. We still wanna get on him. Gabe and Ant, I got a question for you guys. I know that Anthony, you said that uh, you, you think Kirk Cousins is going to be in Minnesota the rest of the year. 
Do you think that if the Vikings lose to the Bears on Sunday, that could change things? <laughs> Are you buying into this whole Kirk Cousins to the Jets thing? I'm not. No. Nah. Um, but, you know, I mean, I guess stranger things have happened, but the, the Jets went all in with Aaron Rodgers. Right. And – Obviously, he's hurt, and there's no reason to be confident he would be able to come back from an Achilles in time for the postseason. But, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised. I'd, I don't know. I mean, you know, they, they don't want this to be a lost season, so it, it, it's the type of aggressive move that maybe a team like the Jets would feel pressed to make because they went so all in on this season for Rodgers and on the other acquisitions that they made to the roster and it is a really difficult division that they're in in the AFC East. So if you're going to try to keep up with the Dolphins and the Bills, then you know it's the, it's the type of move that I, I guess they're the type of team I could maybe see them considering it. I just I don't even know what kind of assets the Jets still have between none ca- cap space <laughs> and draft capital, like to to make a Kirk Cousins move happen after everything else they did, making Aaron Rodgers and. Dalvin Cook and other guys happen over the offseason in the midst of camp and everything else. Do, do they even have enough in their arsenal to, to make a Kirk Cousins move happen? I'm not sure. Yeah, and then when you're looking at the teams in the NFL, right, you really would have to, to look at what squads are close enough to glory that if <laughs> they lose their quarterback, they'd be desperate enough to go give up big assets to get a guy like Kirk Cousins. And there, there's not many teams cut from that cloth when you're looking at the, the landscape of the NFL right now. But like you said, Stranger things have happened. You know, the Milwaukee Bucks land Dame Lillard. It's just you just never know right. what's going to happen in those situations. But it's a good question because I think either team is going to look at themselves differently after this game, right? I mean, the Bears, once again, trying to gain some sort of momentum. And if you lose to a Minnesota squad who has a, a poor defense, who has, you know, a team without Justin Jefferson, whose running game hasn't been able to necessarily get off the ground I think they'll be looking at themselves just as much as the just as much as the Vikings would be if if they lose to the Bears. And I would also, you know, the the point I made about the Kirk Cousins no trade clause. I think it's it's not just up to the Vikings to be able to ship him off anywhere. And so, where for the Jets, I could see where there would be an appeal to bring in a Kirk Cousins, but would there be a legit appeal for Kirk Cousins to even go to New York? Because like, if it goes great then that's one thing, that's but you still one. are in a position to have to contend with. So if things go okay for Kirk Cousins being allowing himself to get traded to the Jets, you still got to contend with the idea that Aaron Rodgers is potentially still their QB in waiting for 2024. They're not going to choose you over a healthy Aaron Rodgers after he heals his Achilles. So then you're, you're going to be in a stopgap situation in one of, the, one of the most heated media markets to try and deal with in an offense that you're not going to know with teammates you haven't played with before. So it could go well or it could go horribly wrong when right now he's in a circumstance that he's already comfortable in with teammates and coaches and a community that he's already in. I just I, – I don't see – I would be surprised if Kirk Cousins waived the no trade, especially to go to that, that de- degree of pressure cooker in, in a non-favorable circumstance like showing up in late October to try and save the Jets' awful offense. Right, because they're not going to let him take Tuesdays off. They're right. not going to let him do yeah. what, it, what it is he wants to do. I mean, we I, I saw quarterbacks on Netflix. He's he's super chill. He's got a mm. cush life in Minnesota right now. Loves it. Low, not low, not low pressure, but low pressure in comparison to the Jets' situation. If had, had you know had, had, were he to go over there, 
But I think I think he's going to stay put. I think he's going to you know just tell him, hey man, ride it out. Like you said, he might even do that for the next quarterback of the Vikings, uh, just because of, of where he sees himself, you know, in in the franchise and and who he can be. But Justin Jefferson said it right. I'm not. I'm only going where where, where Kirk Cousins is going. Hmm. So I'm not resigning or doing anything until we find out what we could be. Because do you think that do you think they could be the or I guess do you think they Your can hex. compete? Your hex the, came at a great time, by the way. Oh well, that was it was, it was so right, right it, it as the Bears are getting ready to face him. Blue head, yeah, is do a real a thing, thing with Justin Jefferson last year. My one of my uncle's favorite songs. Tu mesite brujería, bruja, bruja. So you put a little, you know what I'm saying? Justin Jefferson on him. Bears need some help, but it's gonna take a lot more than that. But I, but the question I have for you is, is, is do you think Kirk Cousins and, and Justin Jefferson, if they were to stick together for you know, mm-hmm. let's say another five years or so? Do you think they could like be mentioned in, in, in some of the best tandems in NFL history? A lot of times that ends up coming down to some postseason success as well. Right. They've got one playoff win together, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, and this certainly isn't looking like a season where they, they, they would be adding another one into the mix, you know, where the Lions right now are the, the cream of the crop in the division. How big of a separation is there between Detroit and everyone else, at least through the first five weeks? It looks like it's fairly sizable between them and Green Bay, between them and the Bears, between them and the Vikings. Um, but I, I don't I don't see Minnesota as a squad that that would be able to, especially at this point where Cousins already in his mid-30s. So if it's not happening this season, if they did surprisingly bring him back again for next year or beyond, yeah, you can keep putting up numbers with Justin Jefferson. But it, are they in a position to really kind of put – a fresh face on the franchise elsewhere to set up this roster to really have some real postseason success because that's a part of what these great tandems end up being judged by. You know, or think about like Randy Moss early in his Vikings career where he was obviously the most talented receiver in football, but he spent years being viewed pretty much in the same way as Terrell Owens was viewed as kind of a, a malcontent locker room cancer type of guy. And then he goes to New England and spend some historic years with Tom Brady. And even though they didn't actually win a Super Bowl together, but they made a Super Bowl, put up historic numbers, so they won at a high level while he was in New England. So now Randy Moss is viewed in a completely different context because of postseason success that he was able to go and achieve in New England. And he and Tom Brady are viewed as this amazing combo for the brief time that they played together. We, we end up you know, kind of putting everything in the prism of whether or not you had a shot at a title. If you competed for a title, are you a big-time winner? And since Randy Moss was a part of that, then it reshaped his image. And I think unless Cousins and Jefferson are able to do something like that in the postseason, then there's just going to be some guys who put up numbers. Yeah, and and, and hopefully they can be oh, – those numbers are just some, some good ones and they continue to grow together. And there's another team in Chicago that's looking to grow, Chicago Bulls, and they just had their first preseason game against the Bucks. We get to talk to Cody Westerlin about the squad we know they're starting up in just a little bit should we be tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone news in order to secure convictions in a court of law it is essential that we conclusively sports clock at four Doncic. the step back three you bet music you set my world on fire yes, and even podcasts whatever you love hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Think anything different from last year? Is this just like a Chicago thing where every team is just the same year in and year out and we're just in bizarro land? We resigned to our fate. Dude, it's ridiculous. All right. Uh, we're going to talk to Cody Westerlin next right here on 670 The Score. I feel like I'm just going to play my game. Um, no matter what's going on, I'm just going to be me, be who I am. Um, I don't feel like I, I need to change anything or, or do anything differently out of what I normally do. Um, I feel like I'm just going to continue to grow. Like I said, I just want my game to continue to grow, and whatever role ends up happening, I'm going to try to you know, play that role to the best of my capabilities. But no, nah, I'm going to just be who I am, be who Kobe is at the end of the day. We're back live with more of Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score and Odyssey Station. Now, that sounds like a guy who is confident in his own skin, who is taking his game to the next level and is ready to maybe be the starting point guard for the Chicago Bulls. What's up? It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron here on 670 The Score. Broadcasting live for The Score, Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. We finally get to chat a little bit, and I don't have to put a dollar in the bucket. I can just talk about the Bulls freely without <laughs> spending money from my, my, my own pocket. Uh, with our next guest joining us right now uh, on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Uh, it is Cody Westland, our guy here on 670 The Score, our lead editor and also our in- Bulls insider. Cody, what up? How are you guys doing? Doing good. Thinking about um, thinking about Kobe. I mean, it's a guy who, you know, a word that, that has been used in the Chicagoland area, not just for the Bulls, not just for the Bears, but it is development and the lack thereof. Uh, and with the Bulls organization, some people feel as though that is the case. But a guy like Kobe has kind of, you know, continuously gotten better, and we've been able to see it in real time. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Kobe's going into his fifth NBA season here. Uh, His opening night looms in a couple weeks. It's like we've seen a lot of basketball from him, and you mentioned the development last year. It's interesting, Gabe. I don't know if you know, the lowest scoring season of his career by far. He averaged 9.7 points per game fewest minutes per game of his career and it was the best Kobe White I think any of us had ever seen we'd pretty much all agree I think he agrees the coaching staff fans and observers who watch the Bulls every night he just understood the game so much better where he needed to get on the court he he drastically improved on the defensive end had a better idea of when to attack when not to so he's trying to build off that right now and I I think he's probably in the center of the biggest storyline in Bulls training camp, which is who's going to win the starting point guard job. He got that nod in the preseason opener, and it's still an open competition, mainly between him and Javon Carter, even as Billy Donovan and and some Bulls officials will also um, throw Io Desumu's name in that mix. It's really between Kobe and Javon Carter. So if last season 
was the best version of Kobe White, and I think we, I agree we would all co-sign that assessment, is that the ceiling of Kobe White? Do you feel like that is the best version of Kobe White that we will likely see in the NBA? And if so, then what level of starting point guard is that for the Bulls? No, that's that's not the best Kobe we'll see. He's 23 going on 24 midseason here, and he has uh, a very good work ethic. And I think I, I actually think he went through quite a bit of turbulence just by way of criticism and getting thrown in and out of the starting lineup, playing with different people so much his first two or three years in the NBA. I mean, there were times he had the starting point guard job, and then there were times he weren't. I mean, I know I wrote a story. I know pretty much everyone on the beat wrote a story at some point that said, this Kobe White we're seeing is not a point guard, and the Bulls are force-feeding into that position a few years ago, and it was a disaster. So he has not hit his ceiling. I think it's a fair question to ask how high is his ceiling as a point guard, right? Like, I still don't view him as a guy who's going to go out there and play 35 minutes a game in any traditional point guard role, and you be like, yeah, that's my guy that gets me to the Eastern Conference Finals or something because he's my point guard. Like, to me, he's still more of a lead guard, can maybe start for the Bulls, but you need the fulcrum of the offense to go through someone else in many ways when it comes to initiating, which for this Bulls team, they have Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan to do that. But when I think of his ceiling, I still don't think of his ceiling as a traditional point guard. I just, I think it a bit more is making more plays shooting threes at a little higher clip and continuing to improve defensively. Right, because he's not going to be all the way Patrick Beverly or Thomas Sadoransky, right? But but yeah. and he's not all the way going to be, you know, choose any of the backup Bulls point guards over the last decade that have been shooters off the bench. But he's not going to be that either, right? But he wanted to be somewhere in the middle. And I, I think, man, he's played with so many really good point guards, right? Where he can, I feel like just via osmosis can just be like, okay, if I'm going to be asked to do this, and, and after a year like last year where he did, you know, obviously uh, shave a few points off of his uh, per-game per total in order to be successful in other areas. And especially when you got guys that can already score at a higher clip, right, like Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, Vooch, that, you, that, that, that we saw it with, with uh, excuse me, we saw it with Lonzo where you can distribute the ball and you're still going to eat. Lonzo was still shooting threes in the perimeter and hitting him at a high mark running the offense for the Chicago Bulls when he was healthy. And, I mean, you know, it's Kobe Candy. I think we all want that, right? But another young person who needs to step up, and we've been saying that statement for the last – since he's been on the Bulls roster, uh, is Patrick Williams. And I don't know. It, and what I've seen in social media, just him as a person, he doesn't seem like he's so shelled as he was when he first got in the league. And I feel like that might contribute to his playing style this season. Yeah, I could have finished that sentence for you. Um, as soon as you brought up another young player who needs to, we knew, we knew where that was going with Patrick Williams. I mean, um, I, I, I like Patrick Williams, but I just at the point where I got to see it, right? Like he's a good dude. He's a good guy, but the entire organization is, is just imploring him to be more aggressive and forceful. And we don't see it for long stretches at any point of time in his career. So uh, that's simple. We've talked about this a lot. That's going to be the difference between Patrick Williams just being an NBA guy, being a role player, and Patrick Williams being something more who has all-star potential, um, who can be a building block of a Bulls team moving forward if he gets really aggressive um, because he has the physical tools. He has the shooting touch. Like 
he deserves a ton of praise, Patrick Williams does, um, just for the work on his three-point shot, but but his understanding, too. Like, you want him to be more aggressive, but like he clearly takes good three-pointers. He's nearly a 42% three-point shooter in his NBA career, and you can say, well, DeMar's getting him easy looks in the corner. Yeah, but, you know, he worked on that shot in the corner. He knows which ones to shoot. He doesn't force them. So there is so much potential for, for, for Patrick Williams just because – he has the shooting touch, and not everyone has that. You know, a lot of guys have to learn that skill. And with him, we said Kobe in the point guard's price storyline number one. Patrick Williams is price storyline number two because I think he'll probably start at point guard or power forward. But Billy Donovan's still considering him with the second unit, might play him for four minutes early in games and such, and then pull him and put him more in with the second unit. Have Tory Craig come in with that veteran presence um, in that situation. So. You look at the Bulls in training camp, it's it's fairly straightforward. What can these young guys step up and do? I got Cody Westerland, our guest here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. He's our editor at 670thescore.com and certainly covers the Chicago Bulls. You can find him on Twitter at Cody Westerland. And the, the Bulls conversation about continuity, it, it seems to me that if if you have a healthy version of Zach Levine, which wasn't quite there early in the season, but then Zach Levine became the old version of Zach Levine, the explosive version of Zach Levine, that it, it looked exciting. It looked sudden. It looked like a guy who, who can maybe be, you know, a piece of a, you know, of a high-level basketball team. So I was asking about Kobe White's ceiling. I think we've seen, you know, kind of the, the excellent version of Zach Levine near his peak. Having that for a full season, what does that potentially mean for the Bulls this year? I think in the in the present, Ant, I mean, you know, the consistency. Because I, listen, I I feel like even watching the social media, Ant, about about the Bulls and, and what mm-hmm. they've been doing in practice, and you see the same guys again, it almost is like, oh, this is what they've been preaching: continuity, right? Right. Where oh, I know what that's like to play with the same guys over and over again. But I I I I, I don't know. From a fan's perspective, that's what it feels like for me. So I could only imagine Cody. Uh, what what that's like that continuity and and having those guys playing together again for another season and and elevating each other's game. Yeah, I mean that's the that's a big deal with the Bulls, right? They had great health last year with the big three, and I missed part of that um, start of that question, Gabe, on continuity. But if if you're going along that that question, this is a team that was really healthy last year, and when you sign Torrey Craig and Javon Carter in free agency and don't do a whole lot else. Like, that's what you're banking on, again, is internal improvement and getting the offense to elevate from 24th to certainly the Bulls. At, I think a fair goal for the Bulls would certainly be like a top 10 offense, given how much money they've paid their big three and what they originally envisioned from that. And we were talking about the young guys, but it's always going to come back to, to your core players. And that's a group that just hasn't played well enough. I mean, it's played to close for long stretches to, to even basketball on the floor and you need your best players certainly to to have a net rating that's far above zero um, in every situation if you want to be a good team. So um, this is a team that it feels like it's going to be more of the same, guys. I mean, unless you see um, something totally different here, we can talk about the three-point shots. I think those are the things that the Bulls, for example, can control. We saw a little bit of it in the preseason opener on Sunday, just the Bulls hoisted 19 three-pointers in the first half. They only averaged 28-29 per game last year. So the Bulls have to improve internally for the most part because 
as much as you might like the Torrey Craig and Javon Carter signings, like they're not moving the needle eight to ten games on their own this season. Not at all. And I, and I but but good good pieces nonetheless, and that's something that I'm excited about. I look at this I look at this Bulls team, and I really just look at one player, and it's Demar Derozan. And we've we've been the beneficiary of some really good seasons from Demar. And I'm just I'm curious, like when is that brick wall gonna hit? Right, you're talking about extensions with him. You know, he's getting older, and it's like. Is it is it gonna happen, Cody? Like, am I ex- anticipating something that is, is is not likely? Demar is more likely to age gracefully than pretty much anyone his age, I think, and that's because like his game's not really game. Like you would agree, his game's not really predicated on athleticism right now. <laughs> in too many ways, it's like his his basketball mind, his ability to use his strength. He knows where to be on the floor. Um, he's so savvy in drawing fouls. He's so calm in getting to his spots. So I don't think he is going to fall off any cliff this season. Now, if you want to have a separate discussion on what type of contract the Bulls should be looking at on his next one, then I would be worried about the decline more than in this season, obviously. But I think I would expect more out of the same from DeMar. You know, like I'm not guaranteeing he'll be an all-star like he was the last two years, but I think he's going to keep averaging 20-some points rather efficiently on that end. It was good to see the the explosion and the suddenness return to Zach Levine's game as the season kind of wore on last year. He really didn't have a, a big offseason program coming off of the, the knee surgery. So in if we live in a world where we get that version of Zach Levine athletically for a full season – then how does that impact the, the Bulls just as a as a franchise for what their potential postseason hopes could look like? Yeah, I mean, it it's probably got to start with him and DeMar, certainly, we've talked about. And I think that's probably the biggest room for improvement other than Patrick Williams on this team if you're looking for a guy to really take the next step, right? Like We'd all agree that there's a large difference between – maybe not a large difference, but there's certainly – a level of difference between Zach Levine and Devin Booker um, at this point in the NBA. One of them in the all-star conversation, one of them's in the NBA conversation every year. Um, one of them, like Zach Levine, has been on an Olympic gold medal winning team. The other one probably can start on an Olympic Team USA squad in Devin Booker moving forward. Stuff like that. And you look four or five years ago, we we're talking about those guys on the same type of plane of play. So, if Zach can get to a threshold like that where he's even more efficient, I think it would be really interesting just as an observer to see him get the ball more in crunch time. And if he can convert on more of those in crunch time, help the Bulls play better in close games, which um, they didn't do as well as they would have liked to last year after they were awesome at it a couple years ago, for example, uh, that would be another level that he can get to. And, it's not rocket science for Zach, right? Like, it's just keep shooting a lot of threes. The Bulls want him to shoot a few more, and it's probably just keep trusting yourself and finish a tad better at the rim, get fouled a little bit more, and that's probably it on the offensive end for ascending to the next level because he is so talented, and he can be so efficient on that end with his three-point shooting and his finishing ability. So it's just those slight upticks, and obviously you get to the point there, like, I just – I don't think Zach's ever going to be a lead playmaker, by the way, of ball sharing um, for any team, whether it's the Bulls or a different team later in his NBA career, if it comes to that. So to me, I look like he, he made the point, guys. I liked it. It was like, 
sharpen your knife he made the mention of at media day and that meant just get better at what you're already great at right like don't change who you are as a player in person so I thought that was the right mindset from Zach Levine because I think that's the way he continues to um, improve for the most part is just becoming from going from really good offensively to to elite on that end and and just keep doing what you're doing and you're a scorer go do it and you know be willing to share the ball when you draw two but otherwise do your thing and score points I think. All right, talking to Cody Westerland, uh, covers the Bulls for us here on 670. The score, I'm Gabe Ramirez, along with Anthony Heron. Now, the three of us were all fathers. And the three of us most certainly watch games still, right? We find time to, to, to watch these things, even though we have children. But what what, what is that like? Do, are, you, are you a recorder, Cody? Are you a put the baby in your arm while they're sleeping, watch the game? Aunt, what, what do you guys do to, watch, uh, to try to get some games in? Well, Gabe, I mean, Connor was born, like, I think the day before the Bulls' first play-in game, so I've really only had two <laughs> Bulls games to to compare to on that one. Even, so. Bear, even Bears games, Cody. I'm talking about sports in general. Oh, no, no, no. Bears games, I'm locked in for work because I'm working on Sunday. So, <laughs> did you, um, did you put air quotes up there? Of, did you put air quotes up there that. at work? <laughs> no, it, it, it's loud sometimes. It is loud, but I will certainly take tips if Big Ant's got any. Yeah, my, my son, he, I mean, he plays sports. We got him on a few different teams, but he's a, a future paleontologist in his mind right now. So he's really just getting to the point where he'll sit still long enough. So I'm usually in a different room somewhere when I'm walking, you know, watching through the Bears games, and getting ready to head into the studio for somewhere like that. For the Bulls games, he's actually, he is a little more into hoops. Now, he's more of a college basketball fan. Like, if there's any athlete on the planet my son can name is Caitlin Clark. He will sit still and watch an Iowa women's basketball game before he st- sit still and watch anything else in, in the sports space right now. Well, I mean, maybe you should DVR a couple of those, and, you know, if uh, you need to distract him, maybe one of the games That's he so missed. Smart. If it's against a directional <laughs> school, play back an old one. You know, Hey, like, you, hey you buddy, Caitlin Clark's playing right now. missing a big Big Ten game, no. but, you know, Absolutely. those other ones. Cody, I appreciate you hanging out with us, man, and talking some Bulls basketball. It's always a pleasure. Yep, you guys take care. Thanks. Cody Westerlin, follow him on Twitter at Cody Westerlin. People, people have been casually saying X now, and I just I can't get myself to do it. So I'm not uh, there yet with it either. I'm 100 not there yet. I feel like it's all hoax, and one day it's all just gonna go back. So I'm just gonna keep calling it Twitter because just like Justin Fields, I don't want to be hurt. Uh, yeah, yeah. It just shout, rolls off the tongue. It shout does. out Cody Westerlin. My other thing, my other uh, go to for for watching games is like today, for example. I watched the the my two daughters today. I didn't send them to daycare. And during nap time, I just, you know, my wife, you know, she, you know, breastfeeds. So, like, they have a different kind of relationship with her during nap time. Uh-huh. For, for me, they know it's business. Like, <laughs> we're not playing. It's nap time. Like, I'll give you a couple right. kisses. I'm going to care if you need you. But today I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, it's Tuesday, so I'm still watching my condensed versions of the NFL games. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, all right, ladies, nap time. <laughs> I just go lay on the carpet <laughs> Like, that's when I get to watch my games. Like, I've gotten real good at pretending what the play-by-play announcers are saying during okay. particular plays because I don't get the luxury of that. But, uh, yeah, nap time. That's the best time to do it, guys. I, I, yeah. Or if I'm carrying my daughter, like, one of my daughters, if I'm carrying her, like, to, to put her to bed at night, I, I've gotten really good at, like, my right arm, like, carrying her and also holding the the phone, like, the hand mm-hmm. itself holding the phone, while the other hand, the left hand is patting her back. You know, I've gotten, okay. got, I've gotten good at this, man. You gotta get, you gotta get a couple of tidbits in there. So yeah, we're we're probably two, 
we're too conscious of screen time right now, and so that's part of why I'm in the other room too. But we mm. we need to kind of get out of that a little bit and kind of let him just start watching more and more stuff, and you know, we kind of make him earn screen time or sure. whatever. We're, we're a little too too strict with it. I think we've talked about it a little bit. We're probably gonna start lighting it up because we do. We obviously I have to watch so much sports in the house for work and everything, and he's getting to the point now where he's able to kind of sit still, take it in with me. But he's usually more interested in. You know, his version of TV that he wants to watch or his favorite programs or just going reading a book <laughs> or playing something else or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I think we're, we're transitioning into that phase a little bit more now where he'll, he'll, he's willing to sit and watch and kind of consume it a little bit better than he has been in the past. Man, we got we to gotta do a bunch of things just to get it in. But look at us. Still getting it in nonetheless. It's Gabe uh-huh. Ramirez. It is Anthony Heron. And coming up next, we got Jay Zawoski. He's going to be joining us before the top of the hour to talk – about the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, when that first period ends, we'll most certainly get him on to do that. All right. Uh, it's Gabriel Mears. It's Anthony Heron. It's uh we are live and local right here on a Tuesday on Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. I love the Bears and I want to see them succeed. Uh this this city and the the fans especially deserve a good team. Um and I I get more I'm definitely emotionally invested in every game and uh you know, some of them hurt. Sometimes I try not to get so emotionally invested because, like the uh, the Denver game, you know, that brought back some, some some feelings. Like I think my rookie year, we played down in Atlanta, and we went up with a go-ahead touchdown and kicked a squib kick, mm-hmm. and they ended up Matt Ryan threw a corner route once, yep. and then they had Jason Elam, and you hear Jason Elam kind of know it's going in, and they kicked the field goal and won the game, and I, you know, that hurt that. As you can see, I still remember that from 15 years ago. We're back live with more of Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score and Odyssey Station. One of my favorite running backs ever, Matt Forte, right there talking about being emotionally just like us, or just like me, I should say. Emotionally invested <laughs> in this team, and he's there for it, man. I love hearing from him, especially because, you know, and, you know, the, the running back situation with the Bears right now is so – I don't even know how to, what to call it, right? Depleted. I mean, yeah, depleted. Thanks. You know, yeah. Darrington Evans getting on the team. Dante Farmer going to be playing. Like, what, what, what's going on with Khalil Herbert in, in this running back room right now? Well, I think for Khalil Herbert, it, it looks like a high ankle sprain. You know, I, I don't think they've specified that that's what it is publicly, but certainly seems like that's probably the case from the the really kind of wicked way that his ankle twisted up the other night. I mean, I was – I was worried it was even something beyond the ankle that maybe it was the knee or something mm-hmm. like that just when they showed the replay. And I don't know when it began that that it felt necessary during live TV broadcast to say that even the most gruesome of injuries, let's make sure we give viewers at least one look at something really gruesome that takes place on the field when some limb looks like it's just borderline being severed from a guy's lower body or his upper body or something like that. But – they love to show it to you. So the way that uh, Khalil Herbert's ankle twisted up in that game the other night and the way it looked on the replay and slow motion, like, wait, uh, the, the, the human body, the human foot is not supposed to bend in that direction. That's the opposite way that it's supposed to go. I'm like, oh, okay, he's, he's done for the night and maybe for an extended period of time here. Then lo and behold, they spat him up. And he's trying to get back on the on the field, trying to run back in the game. Oh, okay, maybe he's fine. I guess he's just built like Gumby or something like that. And then 
the one time they gave him the ball, he pretty much immediately went on the ground. So you got to respect his uh, his tenacity, his toughness, wanting to be out there with his teammates. But uh, I would imagine it's going to be a, a few weeks before we actually see an effective version of Khalil, of Khalil Herbert back in the game, which is unfortunate because the last couple of games, man, he's really been running the, the ball. He's been running hard. He's been running with some some urgency and some toughness about him. You know, he, he's certainly been a guy who's gained yards at various points throughout his career and always had a nice yards per carry average. But there's a force, kind of a, an, an, an imposing nature he's running with now that's a little different, a little extra versus what, what I think we're accustomed to seeing Khalil Herbert run with. So it's too bad he's banged up. And it kind of comes at the same time, man, with it being the same game that Roshan Johnson goes down. And like, it'd be one thing if we're confident Johnson was going to be available to play in the game because then you got this exciting rookie that kind of brings a little extra juice every time he's in the game, every time he gets the rock. He's just looking to go out there and just mow somebody over. And I use the word imposing. Like as soon as Roshan Johnson got the ball in the game for the first time, like, oh, that's somebody who's trying to intimidate tackles. Like, he's just upset <laughs> that people have the gall to come up and try to tackle him. And there's there's something to be said for that. Like, that's not what every back in the league needs to be. It's not what every back on the Bears needs to be. But like having that in the lineup, Deontay Foreman, he's got a little bit of that to him. He, he does run with some gusto. He does run with an intimidating kind of attitude. And I don't know exactly why, you know, he hasn't been dressed for recent games. You know, like, like it was mentioned earlier with Kevin Fishbane when he was on with us, Foreman isn't a special teams guy. So if you know for sure – you want Herbert and Johnson in the lineup, then you don't necessarily want a third running back out there who's not a contributor on special teams. So my my impression has been not necessarily that the Bears are down on Deontay Foreman, but just that they're saying we want to go with the younger guys. We want to see if Khalil Herbert is our back of the future. We drafted Roshan Johnson, and we really love his potential moving forward here. So then Homer has been the guy dressing because he's one of your special teams aces. But – I think Deontay Foreman is going to get in there and perform fine because that's what he's always done throughout his career. He gets in the game, he runs hard, he performs well. So it, the the depth, though, or lack thereof, does concern me a bit here uh, just because all three guys who've been dressing for the Bears in recent games are all, for the moment, seeming like they'll be down. So hopefully having the mini-buy, uh, I don't anticipate seeing Khalil Herbert, but you know, hopefully see Roshan Johnson. It'd be nice if he were available against Minnesota, and if not, Deontay Foreman has been a guy who's, who's had to carry a full load of a game plan on his shoulders before. So if he does have to be the main guy for a game or for a couple of games, I don't, I don't have any doubt that he'd be able to manage it. Yeah, he's certainly capable. That we know. He's certainly healthy. That we know because he hasn't been suiting up for any of right. these things. Um, but Travis Homer, of course, dealing with a hamstring injury. Roshan Johnson dealing with a concussion. And then Khalil Harper with the high ankle sprain just leads the way for you know, for 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 Dante Foreman to really just step up, but I I, I wonder, and like if you haven't played in four games, mm-hmm. I mean, especially is it different for a running back? We talked a lot today about different positions and and what that you know relationship is like with you know so many facets of the game. Is, is it different for a running back? Someone that's been with the team, understands the play calling, is healthy, but hasn't had that game speed play in the last you know two months. I think it's a fair question. I feel like for Foreman because he played throughout the preseason and in the, the organized scrimmages and everything else that, yeah, it's been over a month now since he's legitimately gotten hit by somebody, but he's such a veteran and his running style to me, you know, like I was talking about just kind of that, 
the guy who looks for contact, he's kind of got that imposing style. So I think just from a rhythm perspective and a timing perspective, I think he'll be fine kind of just getting back into the mix pretty quickly here because he did get so much work during the preseason phase of things. So I, 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 think, I feel like from that perspective, from that standpoint, he'll end up being fine now. You know, is he is he going to be in the condition right now if he is the only sort of, you know, dependable, healthy running back? If you have no Johnson and, you know, Travis Homer wasn't really signed to be a guy who's going to be a legitimate part of the offense anyway. But it's like you go into a game with Foreman and Evans and they're, they're your only two guys or something like that. And Foreman, I, I don't know that I'd be confident he can be a 15 to 20 carry sort of guy for you. And so that's where there's more pressure to me with the run game on make sh- making sure you have some QB run as a part of the offense, making sure you have, whether it is a Valus Jones, which, you know, it's been infrequent that we've seen the jet sweep from Valus Jones be a big part of things with the success of the offense. But, you know, is that a part of things with the Bears a little more so? DJ Moore, as excellent as he's been as a pass receiver here, in recent weeks, he hasn't necessarily been a guy who they've said, yeah, let's let's actually run the ball with DJ Moore. But he can do it. He did it with the Panthers, and uh, there's no reason to think he's not capable of that with the Bears, especially with the mini-buy. And if that wasn't a part of the playbook that he had necessarily practiced very much, then I would imagine it's maybe something that, that Luke Getze has made it a point to practice with DJ Moore here in the additional days that they had. With as banged up as they are at running back, then you need to find ways to supplement that. But they do have players who are, who are available and capable of doing that on this offense. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how many carries he gets. It's going to be interesting to see the uh, productivity level of Dante Foreman. And then it's going, to see, it's going to be interesting to see how many times the Bears end up throwing the ball. Right When you're looking at the Vikings secondary, they only have one interception all year, and it came last week against the Kansas City Chiefs. So, um, I mean, you, you know. Justin Fields to be a volume pass. No, you're looking for a 400-yard no, game. Don't Mark Grody me. Let's don't go. Mark, don't Mark Let's Grody go. me. <laughs> don't Mark Grody me. I know this game. No, 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 no. That's not what I said. I said, I wonder if the Bears are going to uh-huh. be that team. For me, feed the bees. Get Dante Foreman 25 rushes. <laughs> Run it right up the middle. That's what I would like to see. I am curious at some point in our final hour here, just where, because I know we're going to talk some hockey, we're going to get a Vikings perspective and everything else, but with some of those statistical thresholds that we were talking about in the offseason that you were understandably kind of concerned about. What, what, what are the fair expectations? I'm curious for an updated vantage point on what you think is truly possible here with what we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Well, we'll most certainly do that in the 8 o'clock hour. Ron Johnson, a Viking sideline reporter, is going to hang out with us at 820. And then on the other side of the break, Connor Bedard is about to finish up his first period in the NHL. We'll talk to Jay Zawoski next about what he's seen from the young man. We'll do that on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez. It's Anthony Heron. It's Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.